morning, uh, we've been doing a series on biblical foundations. And uh, oftentimes, uh, uh, in our Christianity, in our walk with God, uh, we can make Christianity about a lot of rules and standards. But if I lose sight of the God of the standards, then it becomes mere religion and mechanical Christianity. You lose the joy of the Lord. And you lose the value that God has given to you. And so we must know our foundation. And so over the last few weeks, the first week we had talked about our purpose, uh, that God has given to each and every person a purpose. You have incredible value, every person. It doesn't matter what country, land, culture you derive, you are valuable and loved by God. Second of all, last week we talked about God's goodness. And I devolve into great depression. I lose my value for life because oftentimes I don't see the goodness of God. God would have Adam and Eve at the pinnacle of creation. They were the last to be created, creating everything perfect for them. And still, it wasn't good enough. They wanted the extra fruit that they couldn't have. So today I want to speak about, I have a couple different titles for this, The Tentacles of Truth or Truth is Fallen in the Streets. We live in a world where the news and society and education and philosophy and psychology and justice and other things of life are losing what is truth. And who are we? A little illustration for you. A certain missionary society, in order to gain access for a missionary to work in some of the African tribes, sent down some trinkets uh, to be bartered with, those, uh, with the natives there. Among them was a package of little hand mirrors such as ladies use. The natives had never seen their own faces except in the waters of some lakes or streams, so the news of this wonderful instrument by which people uh, could see their features was spread abroad. The missionary was invited by this tribe after tribe to visit them with his hand glass. In the interior was a princess in one of the tribes who had been told that she was the most beautiful woman on earth. When she heard of this instrument in which she might see what a beautiful creature she was, she bade the missionary bring one of the mirrors. The truth was the princess was not the most attractive in the tribe. She took the mirror into the hut to take a good long look at her beauty. When she held up the glass and she saw what she really looked like, She lifted her royal fish, dashed the glass to pieces, banished the missionary, and made a law that no looking glass should ever be brought into the tribe again. Why did she hate the glass? Because it told her the truth about herself. And she didn't like it. For some reason, people turn away from the Bible. It tells man that all of his righteousnesses are as filthy rags in God's sight. And I want to tell you, as we look at Genesis chapter 3, 4, and 5, The truths are fundamental and foundational to our walk with God. We've got to understand who God is. Because if we lose sight of who God is, you're just following some rules, and it's a dead religion, and it's really miserable. You've got to know the God of the Bible, the God, the Creator God who made all of this. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Verses 4 and 5, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good 
and evil. Now, he's giving her something. He's speaking of truth. Now, truth in its very definition is a conformity to fact or reality. Exact accordance with that which is or has been or shall be. That's Webster's 1828 Dictionary. There has to be a place where you plant your beliefs and your uh, progress in life. There has to be a place where you position. You ought to be positioned upon truth. What is your life based upon? Why are you living? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you, what do you believe and why do you believe it? And we are living in days similar to what the prophet Jeremiah and the prophet Isaiah endured. There is a notion that a refusal to accept, either ignorantly or defiantly, reality and facts may get me to my desired destination. And the prophets, Jeremiah and Isaiah, under the inspiration of God, they're speaking about the current gen- they speak about this current generation in the world today. In Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 28, But thou shalt say unto them, This is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God, nor receiveth correction. Truth is perished, and is cut off from their mouth. People don't want to hear the truth about their lives. They don't want to be corrected. Their lips don't speak the truth. I mean, we can't even get right the genders, man and woman. They give, you know, they give tons of different genders but i'd like some coroner to find a body out in the woods and tell me what gender of the 60 or 70 there are they're going to only tell you one of two people aren't pleading for truth but only what their sense of justice and right is in isaiah chapter 59 verse 4 none calleth for justice nor any pleadeth for truth they trust in vanity and speak lies they conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity If your life is not founded upon truth, your belief system will be continually changing. Your belief system will be changing to whatever the temperature and whatever the the fad is of the hour by mainstream news, mainstream culture, and you will change. It is hard to find an unbiased news source. And I don't care if it's left, I don't care if it's right, there's hard to find a news source that will just merely give you the facts. In Isaiah 59, 14, and judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth far off, for truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Where is truth when truth is fallen? And there's a great search for so many people with the knowledge that suits them and their lifestyles. This this works for me. This is okay for me. But the real question you have to ask yourself, what is truth? And the question to that, and then the subsequent question you ought to ask is, where do I find it? Do you realize when Jesus Christ was on trial in John 18, 38, Pilate saith unto him, what is truth? When he had said this, he went out again into the Jews and said to them, I find in him no fault at all. The principle this morning is listen to the truth of God and then follow him with your whole heart. And I want to ask that question, what is truth? What is your life, what is your belief system based upon? Why do you do what you do? 
Why do you put a profession of faith in God? What does God mean to you? Which God? Because when I found myself as a Christian upon truth, this was ultimately a, a search in my own life several number of years ago, when I graduated high school and I went to university, I had, and even when I graduated university and went into the military, I wanted to know what is truth. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. God, I thank you for your marvelous grace. Father, I, I yield today to thee. God, I need your help. I need your strength. And Lord, I just pray that each and every person here would find the truth and they would live it. Sometimes the truth is not pretty. Sometimes the truth is something we don't like to hear, but we still need to hear it. And Father, I pray as I preach your holy word, God, that you'd help me. Use my lips, my thoughts. I pray that you'd guide them. And I pray for the person today that is searching and wandering. And who am I? Why am I here? What's my purpose? Do I have value? Maybe they're hurting, God, I pray today. Lord, they'd find their value in you alone. And they'd find their value in understanding they're a sinner before a holy God. And that you love them so much they died, that you died on the cross. Sent Jesus to die on the cross for their sins. In simple faith that they ask you to forgive them, Lord, they'll be saved. And so, God, I pray that, God, any broken hearts, Lord, that you would encourage and strengthen. Father, as we look at the truth of your word. Lord Jesus, I love you. I thank you for being an amazing Savior. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. The question is, what is truth and what do I follow? In the definitive statement that Satan makes towards Eve here, he claims they will become as gods. That each person as a god will be the determining factor for the progress in their life. Satan asserts that they're the proprietor of truth. And what I mean by that is that you are your own source of truth. You are your own man or own woman, and you know what is true or not, based upon how you feel about it. Your philosophy of life will determine your ultimate destination. But there's a strong delusion. Have you ever talked to someone and said, man, when I was younger, I set out to be this, and then all these problems happened, and I never made it to what I wanted to be. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 through 12, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 through 12, we were going through the Sermon on the Mount, and as I was going through it, and it talks about some of the standards there, I just The Lord impressed upon my heart to come back and look at some of these foundational truths, foundational principles, because you can oftentimes say, well, that's what that preacher says. That's what that preacher believes. But if we come back to the idea of this is what God says, then it doesn't matter what I say. It's what God says. 
Because God who is eternal, the one who created us, don't you think he has the right to set rules? Boundaries? These boundaries and these rules are that which help to protect us. I mean, our daughter, when we were, she was younger, we put her in a playpen. Uh, we would put her, you know, she would sleep in a, I don't even know what you call the playpen or something like that. At night she'd sleep in it. Because we didn't want her to fall out, we didn't want her to get out, we, we wanted to protect her. That was a boundary, but that was safe for her and that was good for her. When she gets a little bit older, she has a bed now. Now she can fall out of it, and she has once or twice, but, you know, she, we, but it's not a huge bed, and it's not very far off the ground. Still uncomfortable. You know, and, and so the truth is, the older we get, the more responsibility we get. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved, and for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. So the delusion of man being a source of truth beams from the halls of science, medicine, philosophy, psychology, government, social media, etc. If man is really to be made a god then he is the final authority of truth. But truth is the facts. If what you believe to be true and what I believe to be true, but if they're contradictory, they can both be wrong, but they can't both be right if they're contradictory. The truth will be obvious. Your life is a result of some decisions you've made. And if your decisions are not based upon truth, then you will be at an unintended and undesirable consequence, undesirable destination. How did I ever get here? Why am I here? Does God not like me? Does God not love me? I thought he's a loving God. Now, these consequences aren't necessarily immediate. You can make bad decisions. Uh, You can make bad choices, and it'll be okay for a while. But eventually, those choices will catch up with you. Adam and Eve here, they rejected truth. They rejected the command of God. And what was the consequence? They were banned from the Garden of Eden, a place of perfection and eternal life. Genesis 3.24, the latter portion of the verse, says to keep the way of the tree of the life. They were no longer uh, afforded to be able to be uh, immortal, where you would live forever as a perfect human. Eternal life with, with God was no longer guaranteed after they ate that fruit. I will, you know, oftentimes we do the analogy of an apple. We don't know what the fruit is. But just for illustration, okay? Man was still eternal in soul. His eternal state was conditioned upon what he did with the truth of God and his obligations towards God. Think about Cain, chapter 4. Cain, who ill-regarded God's commandments for proper worship. He chose to go his own way. He murdered his brother, which was a defiance of God. He, he, he made bad choice. He got angry at God. He got angry at his brother. He got envious of his brother. He got so angry at his brother, he killed him. He He just killed him, murdered him. And God would confront him on his sin and he would have a mark upon him for the rest of his life. What you do with the truth of God and your obligation to God determines your fate. 
I'd like you to look with me at Matthew chapter 7. This will be a two-part message. I'll finish it up this evening, Lord willing. I went through the Bible and I looked at every time the word truth was used. 244 times, I believe. Categorized them. And then began the work of the Lord and looked at the context of these verses to make sure that it was correct. And uh, in the study of truth. I had a different direction I thought it was going and then the Lord said to look at truth. So I said, okay, yes, sir. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth into life, and few there be that find it. Our dilemma today is to ensure we're on the path of truth, as opposed to the path of lying. Broad is the way. I mean, is there not a selection? You go to the, the grocery store, and you look at the chip aisle, you look at the cereal aisle, I mean... There's a tremendous amount of selection. And oftentimes we believe, and you talk to someone, well, we all believe in the same God. All paths lead to God. Uh, all of this stuff that is, I mean, you have religious systems that are exclusively in, con- I mean, they contradict each other. How can they both be right? How can they all lead to God? That doesn't make any sense. If you think about it, some of the silliness that's out there. There was a self-proclaimed evangelist, Kenneth Copeland, during the COVID era, that he would destroy the violence, destroy the virus. Excuse me, let's try that. Uh, And it can only be described as a magical spell. And he says, in the name of Jesus, I execute judgment upon you, COVID-19. It is finished, finished, it is over, it is over, you know. And he blows, you know, he's like, it's over. And this is like back in 2020, right? It was nonsense. Playing loose with God. There's another gentleman, uh, this pastor, he says, if we don't know the Bible, if we don't know doctrine, if we don't know theology, it is virtually impossible for us to identify false prophets. So if I don't know truth, then I'm going to be easily led astray by my emotions. When Pilate asked the question in John 18, 38, what is truth? The fact is, not only what is truth, but the question you could also ask is, do you desire truth? If you're going through, uh, when you're going through school, high school or middle school or wherever you're at, and and you're going through, and, and the parents send, or excuse me, the teacher sends a report card home on the child, here's the truth of your progress, for better or for worse. Sometimes the kids are like, I don't want mom and dad to see it because then I'll get in trouble if mom and dad actually care about their kids' grades. I'll get in trouble from mom and dad because they'll see my bad grades. I haven't been doing my homework. Uh Uh-oh. Truth reveals what is false. Truth can also keep you from unnecessary suffering and pain. The truth is, if I try to jump off the pinnacle of this roof from that edge there and jump on the ground without any assistance, without any pulleys or anything else, just my own two legs, I jump off, it's going to be uncomfortable when I hit the ground. The truth is, gravity still works. 
right? Truth seeks to reveal publicly what is superior to all other options. Truth also demands a response from it, either obedience or rejection. Now, I'm just, I'm kind of laying some framework for a mindset here. You can be presented with the facts of cancer by a medical doctor or doctors. And you can say, well, one doctor tells me I have cancer. I need a secondary opinion, a second opinion. So I go to another doctor. Again, you have cancer, stage four, whatever, stage three. Now the question is, what you do with these facts determines your outcome. You can either accept or reject the prognosis. You can accept or reject the medical physician's uh, treatment options for cancer. But the facts before you demand a response. Indifference to truth is not an excuse. And it will not uphold in the absolute court of God in heaven. Do you realize that even if you're deceived, there's judgment? You realize in Genesis chapter 3, verse 13, And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. I was deceived. I, I didn't know any better. Was there not still consequences? Truth demands a response. You can play loose with life, but the looseness of life will still find you with some consequences that you don't like. But you know what truth also does? Truth brings freedom. In John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word... Then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You know what happens? When that princess looked in, in the opening illustration, when that princess looked in the mirror at herself, she, you know, all the pride that she had about herself, she looked at herself, she said, oh, it doesn't quite match what is said about me. I don't want to see the truth. I'm smashing every mirror, and I'm making a, 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 a law. There are to be no mirrors, because it shows me what I really look like. Winston Churchill said, men occasionally stumble over the truth, but most of them pick themselves up and hurry off as if nothing happened. And quotes there. That may be a common response to truth, this author says, but it places those who respond, respond thusly on the road to tragedy and destruction. There is no way to love and follow God without loving and following truth. The two cannot be separated. Got it from Ministry 127, an illustration there, but the truth is love and following truth. Truth does bring freedom. I mean, if you have a pain in your body and you say, I want to know what the pain is, the, the, the doctor, hopefully, if he's given you the right prognosis, he says the problem is this. And our current problem, and as we saw earlier in John 18, 38, go there if you want to refer back to that John 18, 38, when Pilate makes that assessment of Jesus Christ, Pilate saith unto him, what is truth? It was an irrefutable fact, a clear truth, that Jesus was innocent, yet truth didn't prevail. In fact, he capitulated to emotions and politics over facts. He was, not, he was innocent. Do you realize that Elijah would make an exhortation to the Israelites 
In 1 Kings 18, 21, Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Some people just don't desire truth. And you know what happens when you don't, when you don't desire truth? You're susceptible to the fads and the philosophy of culture, which is changing. I mean, you look at the culture today, and you go back 20, 30, 40, even five years ago, even before, two years ago, before all the COVID stuff, there was a lot, there's been significant changes to culture. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 and 15, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. Who would have thought that we would be having in libraries today drag queens reading to children and that being okay. You go back 10, 15, 20, 30. I mean, the culture in general would have been like, what is that? When you think of truth, is truth something you want to hear? So as I talk about the fads of culture, you know, and then even in, you know, in clothes, closed fads change. I mean, like the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, all those fads have come back, you know, and people start wearing these types of clothes again. I mean, they just, it just evolves. It change, you know, it's always moving. You know what? On my, I, had a, I used to have a Dodge Ram until it was stolen, 2013, and I'd taken it to a mechanic here in town, and he came back and he showed me I had aluminum shavings in my oil. That's not good news. The truth was, I needed to replace my engine. I didn't want to hear that. <laughs> I was like, what? You know, and then they were telling me how many thousands of dollars, and I was like, holy, you know, <laughs> that's a lot of money. I didn't want to hear that news. It was important to know the truth, though, because I surely didn't want to be caught in the wintertime with an engine that broke down and stopped working in, you know, minus 30 degree weather. I don't want to have an engine like that, you know. That's a bad situation, especially here in the north. What we see around us and in some churches was exactly what we also see in 2 Chronicles 18.11. And all the prophets prophesied, say, prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. Now this is Ahab of Israel and Jehoshaphat of Judah. And the prophets are like, Oh, Ahab, go ahead and fight the battle. It's okay. Everything's good. God for us. It's good. Then Ahab brings Micaiah to him, and Ahab surely doesn't like Micaiah because Micaiah tells him the truth. And Ahab tells Jehoshaphat, see, in verse 15 of 2 Chronicles 18, 15, and the king said to him, how many times shall I adjure thee that thou say nothing but the truth to me in the name of the Lord? And then in verse 17, Ahab tells Jehoshaphat, see, didn't I tell you he wouldn't prophesy good to me? He doesn't tell me what I want to hear. Unfortunate thing is, is in humanity today, we want to be told, you're an excellent person, you're a wonderful person, you're a great person, but you know what, we all have flaws. 
I worked at Chick-fil-A one time as a manager down in the States, and when I was down there, I was a manager, and they had done an assessment on me. I've probably told this illustration before. They did an assessment on me, and I didn't rank as high as I thought I would have. And so the boss pulled me aside and wasn't doing as well with my employees as I thought, and that kind of hit me hard. I was mad. How dare. I mean, I went out of my way to bend over backwards for my employees, and, uh, you know, it came to fact that God was saying, listen, there's some things in your life you need to work on. What happened, though, is we ended up coming from an underperforming team to a performing team. I apologized to my staff, and we moved forward, and we worked very well together. God had to do some pruning in me and show me some truths that I didn't want to see. I had to humble myself and say, you know what, I'm sorry. And they would actually come back to to be a blessing later on. In Esther chapter 9 talks about that Ahasuerus had given a letter with peace, words of peace and truth to the Israelites. This was after Haman had been taken off the scene. And really, people want the word, they want peace and truth as the rallying cry of so many organizations, churches, and religions. Jesus is love, Jesus is love, and he is love. But love is also, you know, if someone's beating on your kid and you say, well, I just love them, I'm going to let it go. No, love on my kid. If I love my kid, I'm going to protect the person from beating on my kid. So I'm going to stop them from beating on my kid, even if I have to forcibly remove them from beating on my kid. I'm not going to just let it happen. Many want to hear the words of peace and encouragement to soothe a troubled heart, but they don't want to consider that their troubles are a result of a rejection of truth. In 2 Timothy 4, 3, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Why do you think, you know, with a lot of these various churches and, you know, with all the different dramas and music and all this stuff, trying to draw people in, but the attraction is the draw, God's holiness and God's truths are not the draw. So I want to ask you, in your predicament of life, in your adversity, or your struggles, or the hardship you are going through, are you willing to accept the truth, or do you want to maintain your own ways under your own circumstance, under your own philosophy of life? What are the facts that motivate your life? What are the realities you're striving for? Is truth found in the advancement in your workplace? Is truth found in a larger retirement nest egg? Is truth found in a religion outside of Christianity? Is truth found in how much money I have? Do you realize that this is what Satan was alluring Eve with? And this is what many parents may applaud in their children. I want to advance their lusts. Now that's not what a parent's going to say. You know what? I want my child to be the best sports player. I want them to be the best mathematician. I want them to be the best. You fill in the blanks. But whatever happened to a parent saying, I want a parent, I want my child to live for truth and know the God of truth. Do you realize in Genesis 3, 6, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. You know what a parent might say? My child did such a a great job. They make a, a wonderful income. I'm so proud of them. My child is so good at this particular hobby. My child works so hard. They bought this 
toy, this hobby, or this, this item, and I'm so happy for them. And there's nothing inherently wrong with working hard to gain something, but look with me at 1 Timothy chapter 6, and unfortunately, this has penetrated our hearts and minds. It's penetrated even, you know, at times in my own heart. You know, there was a time with our daughter, and, uh, you know, I, I had some aspirations, I still do, for her, but uh, I had made a statement to my wife, and, and she said, well, what does God think? And I said, oh, In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, so here's genuine words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to what? Godliness. He is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth. Look with me here. Supposing that gain is godliness. And oftentimes we'll say, well, because we have a large church, we're godly. Or we have a small church, we're godly because we're small and we're not large. Whatever the case, I'm just saying. Just because something is large, just because something has wealth, does not necessitate that it's godly. From such, withdraw thyself. There's nothing wrong with a large church. There's nothing wrong with a small church. It all depends. And I had this discussion earlier this week with an individual. I said it doesn't matter the size of the church. It matters the doctrine of the church. It matters the truth of the church. That, supposing that gain is godliness. Whatever happened to a parent who praises their child for living for truth above some materialistic gain? You know what? I could have had this job and made a lot of money, but instead, I know what God wants me to do, and I'm going to do this job instead. Whatever happened to a parent who seeks for their child to advance in the knowledge of God? You know what, many conversations, when we think about true, what is our life based upon? And I'm I'm saying all this stuff about materialism, because oftentimes materialism is our focus of life. Materialism is all that matters in my life. How much money we have, how much money in the bank account, a kind of house, uh, what kind of, you know, what kind of your achievements in life. But at the end of your life, and you stand before God, what is it all going to matter? I don't care if you're the poorest of the poor or you're the richest of the rich. What is your life built upon? Is it built upon truth? Many times in conversations at church, they revolve around hobbies, events, vacations, criticisms, envying of another's toys, accumulations of things, as opposed to the accumulation of truth and the application of it. Many people do not reject truth, many people reject truth, excuse me, because it doesn't conform to your worldview. Your worldview is this box. And if it doesn't conform to that worldview, well, what happens if God says something that isn't inside your little box of your worldview, and you said, that doesn't make any sense, I disregard that. You know, if I'm looking in someone's house next door, and, or you know, down the road, and I see they have a really nice television, I walk into their house, I take the television, I go and I put it in my house. My worldview is, I should have that. You know what the government and the authorities say? No, you shouldn't. You just stole it, and you're in trouble. It doesn't matter what my worldview is. 
Do you realize in John 8, 44 and 45, you have your father the devil and the lust of your father you will do. When you live for your lust, you live for what feels right. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Truth was before these religious leaders. Jesus in flesh, truth in, in person, right? Truth incarnate. In John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's pretty exclusive. And you can't try to have a dialogue with God to convince him that maybe you need two ways rather than one way. Someone might say, how dare you say that to me? I can't stand that person because of blah, 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 blah. Do you realize it was truth that would lead to John the Baptist having his head cut off? In Galatians 4.16, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Truth is not readily received, nor is it appreciated in many cases. Now, I will say how truth is presented. Like if I come up to someone, I'm, you idiot, didn't you know this? Blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, I'm presenting, you know, the idiot is not true. But the, the, the way I'm presenting it could be completely, I mean, what I'm saying about what they're doing wrong could be absolutely correct, but how I presented it. So the presentation of truth is also very important, okay? <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Just because I'm t- you say true, but the presentation of truth is very important. Truth does not conform to a Hollywood fairy tale of happily ever after. You realize in 2 Timothy 4, 4, the Bible tells us, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. Fables, happily ever after. Many people, many Canadians are trying to live the Canadian dream, the fairy book life, you know, fairy book tale of life. But they're not considering what am I going to do at the end of my life. They fail to understand or discern their eternal state. In Psalm 9, 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Proverbs 15, 24, the way, of a life, the way of life is above to the wise that he may depart from hell beneath. Do you ever consider how you're living your life? And we understand some things. There's some offenses that come when truth is presented. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 3 that we will come into perilous times. For, many, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5. One, yeah, 1 to 5. They don't want truth. Why? Because they're a lover of themselves. Satan doesn't want to tell the truth. He didn't want to offend Eve. Rather, he'd offer her something of great esteem and of great value, of bragging rights. He offers her excellent food. He offers her a fruit of emotionally gratifying provision. If you eat this, you'll have pleasure. And he also offers her something of mental superiority. You'll be as gods. Wow, you'll be so smart. You know what? 
we're all okay. I'm okay if doctrine's presented, but if that doctrine contradicts or steps on my lusts or my idols of life, then many times I don't want it. 2 Timothy 4, 3 tells us, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. We're looking for a magical pill to true satisfaction of life apart from God. I want to feel good about myself. The, you know, I need, you know the, the reason for my struggles is I have a low self-esteem. That comes from the philosophy of a worldview that is in contradiction to the God. If I find my value before God, you know what? I'm going to have a low self-esteem of myself and a high esteem of Him. Because I realize my true value. I'm created in His image. I'm wonderfully and marvelously made, Psalm 139. I have a purpose for life. I'm not just from the dirt, I'm going back to the dirt, and I'm, the worm's going to eat me. That's not my, my totality of my life. Evolution, you have no purpose. You're just a bunch of cells that are working together, and you live, and, and then you die, and what's the purpose of life? Many will only give a lip service of faith to God. But in reality, there's a rebellion to God. Their lives are not sold out to following the truth of God. That's exactly what Adam and Eve did. They exchanged the truth of God and His commands for a lie. Do you realize that Satan didn't... Satan wanted to mar the image of God and he did so by lying to Adam and Eve to tell them what they wanted to hear. Do you realize that someday Christians will judge angels? 1 Corinthians 6.3 Know ye not that we shall judge angels? <laughs> it's an amazing thing. So the real question is what truths are you following and why are you following the truth? And that was my dilemma when I exited high school and I entered adulthood. I was thrown into the pool of the world and had the nagging question, what is truth? For me personally, I did. And I searched for this, and I looked in different religions, I looked elsewhere, I looked here, there. There was a lot going on internally and a lot of spiritual struggles. I wanted to know who I was. There were some things going on at home that kind of were unsettling, and I just wanted to know truth. What is truth? What is my my purpose in life? What am I supposed to do? Why am I here? You know, all the classic questions. Where is truth? Is Christianity true? Is it real? Is the Bible true? Am I on the right path? With this search for truth, ultimately the truth I pursued would be the truth to which I was obligated. You know, if you follow the fact, if you follow the, excuse me, if you follow the philosophies and principles of culture, society, if you follow the principles and cultures of changing worldviews, then you're always going to have to be changing. I mean, we're at a time now, you can't look at someone and say, that's a man or a woman, now I've got to give you my pronouns. What? I don't need to give you my pronouns. Ultimately, your worldview is based upon your view of God. Your rejection of God or your acceptance of Him. And truth demands an action. I'd like you to look with me at Acts 17.
verse 24. This is Paul on Mars Hill speaking to the pagans. Your worldview ultimately comes back to what do you do with God? Are you willing to follow him in truth? Or are you willing to reject him for your own perception of truth? But it all centers on what do you do with God? In Acts chapter 17, verse 24. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Just because you have a, a church building doesn't mean that's where God is. Neither is worshipped with, with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men. There's only one race, the human race. Nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and have determined the, point, the times before appointed in the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord if haply they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said for we are his offspring. We li- in him we live and move and have our being. And the fact is, Paul doesn't says, listen, I just want truth. When you think about God, you think about the origins of life. It's seen in how you spend your time and how you spend your money. How you spend your time and how you spend your money is based upon your worldview. It's the very building block from which the rest of your life is based. Either an acceptance or rejection of facts. Now, there are, you spend your money on necessities like, I need food, right? <laughs> but what type of food? You know, all that sort of stuff, but... Your life and how you live it out demonstrates what you do with the truth of a creator and your creation in him. You know, if I realize that God created me and I'm valuable to him, and as a Christian, this, you know, I'm redeemed with a price, then you know what, I'm going to value, I'm going to take care of my body. I'm not going to defile it. I'm not going to put defiling things into my body that I know. I'm not going to partake in things that are bad for me. Why? Because I don't want to hurt the God. I mean, he gave me my body, and I want to take care of it. And Moving forward. But when you have truth, truth demands that you act upon it. You can't take a truth. As I said, you're presented, you have cancer. Now what are you going to do with that truth? you have to respond in some sort of action. You see, even those who are living a lie are thinking they're following a truth. So many of the cultural crowd today are truly believers of their agenda and their self-perceived righteousness. Climate change, health, gender equality, social justice warriors. They believe it. But what is the worldview based upon? If truth is only relative and up to the masses to determine, then Christianity has no merit and it is no different than all the other religions. It's okay to live your life however you choose. It's okay to live without the constraint of traditional values. It's okay. Truth is binding, though, and it demands a course of life. With God as the creator and sustainer of life, it stands in contradiction to the climate activists, conspiracy theorists, woke ideology, and other culturally relevant ideas. Because there is an objective fact, there is a God. And he, and I'm accountable to him. 
You see, truth in speech or theory, but not in action, is of no value. Jeremiah chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Run ye to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem, and see now, and know, and seek in the broad places thereof. If ye can find a man, if there be any that executeth judgment, that seeketh the truth, and I will pardon it. And though they say, the Lord liveth, surely they shall... Surely they swear falsely. God was looking for one person in Jerusalem, one man that had truth. Anyone. Was there anyone who seeks for truth? That was the case in Noah's day. But unfortunately, God, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, they only wanted their imaginations. Men were not valiant for truth. As we understand the very linchpin the very Achilles heel of Christianity is a resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm going to conclude that there for this evening. I not quite have enough time to finish up. But the linchpin of Christianity is the resurrection. If Jesus did not rise from the grave, then Christianity is no different than everything else. But if he rose again, and he did, then you have a supreme accountability to God. If you don't care about the resurrection, it doesn't matter. You're still accountable. It doesn't matter. As I said, the analogy, I go to my neighbor down the street, I take their big, large, whatever, TV, I bring it to my house. I don't care about their door. I don't care about their rules. I go in their house, I take their TV, I put it in my house. They care the authorities care. The justice system cares. Like, I'm in trouble. If, Christ, if the Christ's resurrection is false, then you have nothing to worry about. But as it is true, you have your eternal state to think about. So the question this morning is, what lies are we to shun and what lies are we to live out? Well, we were to shun all lies. We need to live for truth. If you're not seeking for truth, you won't find it. The Bible tells us, in John 16, 13, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. But the fact is, you must seek truth. My last verse, and I'm done. You must esteem truth of great value. Psalm 23, 23, and 24. Turn with me there. Psalm 23, 23, and 24. Last verse of this morning, and then I'll conclude. Proverbs 23. Excuse me, Proverbs 23. Try that again. I know there may be some ideas that might seem very basic, but I want to ask, I mean, ultimately it gets down, why are you living the way you're living? What is the authority in your life? Because the authority in your life is based upon what's your foundation of truth. In Proverbs 23, 23 and 24, buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding the father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. But it says, buy the truth and sell it not. When you get truth, embrace it, act on it, and don't sell it. 
I'll speak more this evening on the other facets of truth, but I just wanted to kind of get you to think, what truth foundation are you living your life upon? If it's upon your values of life, and what you think is right, and what you think is wrong, and I can dismiss what the pastor says, you can, but you can't dismiss what God says. So if God says it's right, it's right. If God says it's wrong, it's wrong. And you need to, then, what you do with that, then you're going to obviously have to answer for how you respond. Is truth that which guides your life? Or is it your emotions? My feelings? My thoughts? Culture? All of those are susceptible to change. If you live for your emotions, you live for your whims, kind of like our three-year-old daughter. One minute, she's as happy as can be. Something small happens, and she's just wailing and crying. You're like, seriously, like, what happened, you know? I've got to get back to the foundation of what is truth. Am I seeking it? Am I living it? Because when I settle what is truth, I settle God is truth. God is real. God's the creator. As the creator, he sets the rules. So I need to know what rules he sets. Because I want to have a close relationship. Adam and Eve dismissed the rules. And man, did they ever pay a price. So if I don't know what God says and God thinks, I'm still accountable. I can't plead ignorance. So this morning, I want to Truth has fallen in the streets. I ask you the question in your life, what truth is it, what truth foundation is it that guides how you live your life? Your morals, your values, what truth foundation is it that guides all that you do? If you do not know Jesus Christ, I haven't spoken about him yet, I did some, but God, there's a heaven and there's a hell as the Bible tells us, which is truth. If your life is not founded upon truth, you're still going to face the consequences, either heaven or hell. Heaven is gained if you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Hell is gained if you do nothing. The choice is yours. As we come to the time of invitation, if I could have Miss Pat come forward, please. Have a time. And this is just a, in this time of invitation, it's just a time quietly in your pew to just pray and talk with God. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you want to come pray up front, you're welcome to. If you want to kneel in your pew, you're welcome to. But this is just a time of quietness between you and God with eyes closed and to just pray quietly before God. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you'd like to do that while the music plays, I'd encourage you to say, really, what is truth and why are you living life the way you're living it? Is truth that which dictates how you live?